0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWires Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems and protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us.
1: So our journey begins pretty much at late 2022. So back at the time, we were conducting a really thorough hunting project. Uh, We were looking into all sorts of uh, web exploitation conducted by a myriad of uh, threat actors, uh, where we stumbled upon this really interesting uh, anomalous uh, behavior. And that kind of
0: started this whole quest uh, that we embarked on. That's Asaf Dahan, Director of Threat Research at Palo Alto Networks. Also joining us is Daniel Frank, Principal Threat Researcher at Palo Alto. The research we're discussing today is titled Manic Menagerie 2.0, The Evolution of a Highly Motivated Threat Actor. Let's go through it together here. Uh, Can you give us an overview of what exactly we're dealing with here? So
1: Manic Menagerie first of all it's a name of a cyber crime group um that we've been following for uh over a year now um it's a really kind of an interesting story it's a story of uh that involves cyber archaeology, evolution of a threat actor with some plot twists and uh, and a good comeback, you know, because you have to have a good comeback. So so, um, the research is really about the reemergence of this uh, cybercrime group that came back from the dead, so to speak. Uh, It was discovered back in 2018. And then like for four years, nobody heard anything about them. And all of a sudden, they launched this massive global campaign that targeted uh, web hosting and IT companies where they were able to compromise thousands of websites around the world that were hosted on these uh, web hosting servers.
0: So uh, the title of your research, which begins with Manic Menagerie 2.0, uh, indicates that there was an original Manic Menagerie. What do we know about them?
2: Well, yeah, so the original... Um Research in 2018 was published by the Australian uh, Cyber uh, Security Center. And originally, um, this threat actor's motivation was solely to uh, to monetize. They were deploying cryptocurrency miners. What we saw in our research was, besides these cryptocurrency miners that we did witness as well, was this really interesting shift into, uh, as Asaf, uh, mentioned before, into um deploying tons of web shells into these um legitimate websites hosted on um on these web hosting companies um servers
1: yeah so to expand a little bit on that when we first uh witnessed the activity at uh, the end of uh, 2022 initially we thought uh we were looking at yet another cryptocurrency mining campaign. But uh, as time went by, uh, we saw something that was pretty amazing. They, uh, as we started uh, blocking them, they responded very quickly and tried to uh, bypass our, our mitigations again and again. It turned into this cat and mouse game of uh, we are blocking them and they trying to find smart bypasses. Eventually, they, it seems like they gave up on the cryptocurrency scheme that they were trying to uh, monetize, and it was then where where we observed this uh, attempt to uh, backdoor uh, a lot of uh, legitimate websites in scale. So um, yeah, that, so that was pretty interesting to see. Like, uh, first of all, it was like about the reemerging reemergence of a threat actor that has not been seen for almost four years and then it was this very quick and adaptive shift in their techniques and tactics which um was particularly interesting to us
0: and help us understand here when we talk about that pivot uh once they'd given up the the crypto mining what are they after in this second phase so it's really interesting um so what they did was to they deployed
1: web shells on the um affected or legitimate websites that hosted on the web servers and to us it was you know a real pickle you know like uh we we questioned ourselves why are they doing what they're doing and the theories that we came up with uh have to do with um uh, when you're uh when you run a, a cyber crime operations there are, there are, Multiple ways were uh, which you can make money off, right? So mm. one is you could be ransomware; it could be uh, uh, info stealers, and um, another really um, popular way of making money today, if you're a cyber crook, is to uh, sell access. So imagine that if you were, um, if you just uh, got a hold of a web server that hosts thousands or even hundreds of uh, websites that are all legitimate uh you can potentially install a backdoor there and it will grant you access to that uh not only to the website's resource but to the entire server so to speak so and you can sell this access you can uh further uh you can use it to deploy other malware so you can collaborate with other cyber gangs so it's a really nice way for them to or you can build you can even build a botnet So it's a really interesting way of uh, monetizing
0: uh, access. We'll be right back. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-plus-year partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash that's aka.ms slash FedCyber. Well, let's dig into some of the technical details here. I mean, what sorts of uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures are these folks using?
2: First of all, in order to, um, to infiltrate these um, environments... What we saw was exploitation of um various um web facing applications and i a s servers This is kind of uh, the first uh technique that um that we noticed and afterwards what they did was deploying um a lot of uh, publicly publicly available tools with some uh custom tools Now, I believe that this vast usage of the um, of um, all sorts of publicly available tools you know for local privilege escalation and for lateral movement i think this is what um, gave them the original name manic menagerie because i believe it's just like uh you know like like the title uh implies like uh, this i don't know crazy uh, circus or crazy um, amount of tools all over the place you know they were blocked and tried another one they blocked and tried another one And they were kind of also, you know, up to date with uh, the latest um, releases of local privilege escalation tools. You could actually see the progress, uh, as I've said, this, you know, um, sort of cat and mouse game. And besides these um, public tools, there there was also the usage of uh, several custom tools, which um, also really um, helped us in attributing um, this uh, activity to the original um, Manic Menagerie research. And yeah, so one of these custom tools was responsible on uh, on writing the, this uh, this crazy amount of uh, of web shells, and this was the the main tool of interest. You know, like that like it sparked our um, our curiosity in like you know what is this custom tool and why does it write so many web shells? And I think this was like the main um, our main. Um, point in um, in actually understanding who this predatorctor is and mean, and starting from there and then we discovered more and more tools and um, yeah well to, to sum it up just lots of public tools and some really unique uh, custom tools
1: um, as well it also shows uh, if I may it also shows like uh, uh, the amount of effort uh, that they uh, invested in this, uh, campaign, because it's one thing to use, uh, you know, off the shelf or like, uh, you know, as Daniel mentioned, uh, public tools, but to write your own custom tools, it takes, you know, effort, it takes, uh, developers, and it also implies premeditated, uh, intention. So it was not just like a, you know, a fluke or like a a random opportunistic, uh, I guess a type of attack. It, it took some time for them to to build this tool. As far as we know, they're the only group that uses this uh, tool, which ultimately helped them to backdoor all of the legitimate uh, websites. And this is where the impact, I think, um, is 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 really uh, noteworthy to mention because it could be pretty much any websites that you can think of it could be like the neighborhood yoga studio it could be an insurance company travel agency e-commerce like a small e-commerce business hmm. so the the fact that these attackers gained access to these resources can potentially mean data leakage uh PII uh we, you know we live in a world of a lot of uh uh regulations and regulatory fine GDPR so there there could be really um Let's say harsh, I guess, consequences uh, for for such attacks. Uh, Not not even to mention like the legal liabilities, reputational damage that uh, can incur. Because I think that the genius thing here about, um, let's for instance, selling access of a legitimate website is that a legitimate website enjoys a really good reputation. It's not going to be flagged by firewalls or antivirus uh, software or other. A security solutions so the attacker is uh what if they want to sell these uh, them as access point or turn them into c2 servers for, for that matter so they can really um use this type of access to conduct nefarious or malicious activity under the guise of a legitimate website
2: yeah so i just wanted to add uh, a little something here so in addition to what asaf said so i mean the thing of the of the um, like the point of this public access, I think it's really um you know like crucial to emphasize. I mean, imagine that someone hacks um your web hosting company. I mean the web hosting company that riverside.fm uses, and then you have riverside.fm slash I don't know, webshell.aspx. Imagine that like a second this secondary threat actor could just browse to riverside.fm slash webshell.asp. And have access to your website's resources uh, just from the public internet. You know they don't need like any internal access to the web hosting company anymore. Potentially, this resource you know for uh, you know to run in commands or whatever, and is just publicly available for um, for them.
0: Yeah, you, know, you, you mentioned how opportunistic they are. How do you rate their sophistication? I think. Um...
1: They're not like like they're not like an APT uh, nation state APT level uh, mm-hmm. in terms of sophistication. As Daniel mentioned before, they use a lot of publicly available tools you can just you know download and compile from GitHub. So that on its own doesn't show a lot of sophistication. They did develop their own custom tool, uh, which you know it's it's not the state of the art uh, custom tool, but it's it's sophisticated enough what can characterize this group better is their resilience or, and adaptiveness. Um, uh, we mentioned before that the ongoing cat and mouse game that we, we, we have been playing with them for, for a couple of months, and you could see how important for them it was to maintain the access that they um, initially gained. Because so, uh, like every time we would block them, they would find or try to find a way to, uh, bypass those mitigations, So if, if I had to, uh, give them, you know, to describe them with an adjective, it would not, it would not necessarily be sophisticated more, but I would definitely say resilient or adaptive. Interesting.
0: So what are your recommendations then? I mean, in terms of of folks best protecting themselves against this sort of thing,
2: well um i think the first thing would be just to maintain a good uh, it hygiene because um as we said the um, the thing that's you know started it all uh, and not only now but in 2018 as well it's the same vulnerable um servers and third party software which is obviously no third party software um when unpatched poses a problem for a lot of organizations so I think the um, the first thing would we'll do is to uh, patch your software, uh, keep it up to date, and um, kind of you know have this patching system as kind of your um, gatekeeper into at least trying to mitigate partially.
1: Yeah. So so definitely I would say um, uh, it, it it starts with a good IT hygiene, like Daniel mentioned that the root cause if you when we did like a root cause analysis of of most of the uh intrusions that we um, attribute to this group and and by the way a lot of other groups as well uh has to do with poor IT hygiene so it's really important it sounds very obvious right But like keep keep your software up to date keep uh um you know deploy patches and of course security in layers that's uh, that's another big thing you need to have like multiple uh, layers that will protect your your data and, and resources. It could be on the network side of the house. It could be on the endpoint side of the house and so on, the cloud. There are so many ways. So, But I think, yeah, keeping a good IT hygiene and, um, and make sure that your data is well protected using a multi-layered um, approach is the right way to go. It will definitely reduce... The attack surface—it's uh, not going to be a, like a 100%, um, you know, bulletproof. Uh, what we've learned over the years is that when you have a very motivated, well-funded, funded or resourced threat actor, uh, they'll eventually find a way. So what we can do is, as you know, as defenders or security practitioners, is what we—the only thing is we can do is to try to make their life harder by. Um, keeping you know our doors uh, shut and then not opening windows uh, that should not be opened and the last thing maybe is to conduct a proactive type of uh, hunting if, if you're in a, an organization that has like a, a good uh, IT or security department I think it's a really good uh, or fast practice to conduct a periodic proactive uh, threat hunting tasks in order to, um, to find those threats even before you get an alert. Because usually by the time you get an alert from a, from a product, it's almost too late.
0: Our thanks to Asaf Dahan and Daniel Frank from Palo Alto Networks for joining us. The research is titled Manic Menagerie 2.0, The Evolution of a Highly Motivated Threat Actor. We'll have a link in the show notes. Hey everybody, I want to take a few minutes here and talk about our sponsor, Splunk. You know, you need to keep operations humming around the clock, but potential disruptions are everywhere. Splunk helps you predict problems and find and fix issues fast so you can reduce risk and ditch downtime. The world's largest enterprises rely on Splunk's unified security and observability platform to become more efficient, resilient, and innovative. With Splunk, you can react quickly, evolve faster, and be ready for anything. Stay ahead of disruptions. Learn more at splunk.com slash resilience. The Cyberwire Research Saturday podcast is a production of N2K Networks. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Stokes. Our mixer is Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Iben and Brandon Karp. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next time.